0: Or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: I really don't know of many good stories that end after someone said I played it really safe. Hey, I'm
4: Christina Wallace. And I'm Kate Scott Campbell. And you're listening
5: to The Limit Does Not Exist, a podcast for human Venn diagrams,
3: coming at you every
5: single Monday and hosted by us. If the North Star didn't yet exist, how would you navigate?
4: That's a great question, Christina. How about, less philosophically, if your dream job doesn't exist yet, how do you know which risks to take, what experiences to build, and how to hustle your way forward to an unknown destination? That's
5: a great question, Kate. Luckily, we have a brilliant guest with a great answer. Actually, a bunch of great answers. Meet Amy Emmerich, the chief content officer at Refinery29 and your newest career cheerleader.
4: Amy started out behind the camera in TV and made her way to one of the top jobs, in media. She picked up three Emmys along the way, and now she's driving content strategy across all platforms and categories, constantly adapting to an ever-changing
5: storytelling landscape. We discuss how to manage human Venn diagrams, the one trait that has helped her succeed in her highly original career path, and the power of giving yourself a break during times of transition. Plus, the number one rule
4: of life followed closely by a contender for rule number two, and so many other things. Christina, I can't wait to listen to this episode.
5: Let's just jump in. Let's do it.
4: Hey, Christina. Hey, Kate. Hi, Amy.
5: Hi. Welcome to the show.
4: Thanks for having me. Amy, we are so excited to have you on the show. You have been described to us as basically a walking, talking unicorn.
3: Mm, That's That's amazing. Am I riding a unicycle at the same time? I'd love to meet a person.
4: I mean, uh... one can only hope. But professionally, you have a more specific title than walking, talking unicorn on a unicycle. Oh, yeah. And that is you are the chief content officer for Refinery29, which probably nearly all of our listeners know as an incredible website and media brand for women. Uh, Over the four or so years you've been at Refinery, you've launched video, and according to some chatter coming out of Con, Can, Can (laughs) CanCon, which is it, guys, by the way? You can call it Con? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> everyone in LA we'll calls it that. can yes okay but yes the purist in me wants to click on we'll take both but according to some chatter coming out of that well-known international film festival you're also heading into tv programming and feature films so let's just start with your role what do you do as chief content
3: officer so funny I love that there's like Can gossip are coming out of (laughs) the Cannes Film Festival. Um, (laughs) Yes, I am the chief content officer at Refinery29. Um, The simplest answer is, honestly, I oversee content, which, you know, it's so funny because people still say, well, what exactly is that? Um, I I kind of think the Cs, it's the three Cs. You know, there's a lot of crafts at this company from video, photo, design, experiential, and so forth, and we create that content to do a lot of categories fashion, beauty, wellness, work and money, um, lifestyle. And then there's a lot of channels that we distribute it on. And that's anywhere from a Twitter feed to Snapchat if we make a short film to Sundance, right? It's like anything to me is considered a channel on how we distribute it out. And then I just do my best to, to make sure that all of those things are kind of running in a unified way, um, and, and working together and try to spot any challenges or opportunities as we all keep doing what we do.
5: So given that you have all of those channels, how do you think about multi-platform storytelling? Because I think, you know, traditional media companies didn't have, you know, 14 channels to choose from. It was sort of television, film, newsprint. And now you have so many more platforms to go after. Are you thinking about content in a multi-platform kind of integrated way?
3: You know, I I think absolutely, but I really never believed in the hierarchy of media as Mm. I look at it. Um, So whether that was the multi-platform across all the ways that you can tell a story amongst Mm -hmm. those channels, Um, or the way that the business world kind of takes a look at why film is the elite of the elite and the craft at its utmost Mm -hmm. point. One would say that's because there's a lot of money getting spent there, Mm -hmm. all the way down to social media, which I think a lot of people didn't even, everyone put their nose up to it 10 years ago and didn't Mm -hmm. believe that the people creating content on those channels were valuable, Um, to the middle where it's reality and unscripted. And when unscripted first hit the stage, how that was always a little less than, right, Mm -hmm. the reality show. Emmy is never as big as the scripted series. Um, and I think when I got to Refinery, it was a really amazing opportunity to work at a company that really believes in diversity and inclusivity and say, okay, well, then let's think about creators as that, of creators. And how do we get involved in the representation of women in media across all the places that media is made?
6: Um, mm. Because we
3: should believe that we can do that. I just kind of entered this world thinking we shouldn't not make multi-platform storytelling because we were told we should only make social media storytelling. Mm -hmm. That wasn't an option.
7: That's That's
4: so fascinating. You know, there's so, it feels like there are now so many people creating all kinds of content out there, um, which is so great. It also feels like there's a lot out there. Mm -hmm. Um, You guys just announced a new slate of projects at New Fronts. Can you tell us about What you're excited about right now and and maybe kind of a broader question around that is with so many people creating things, what kinds of projects and stories are you currently finding yourself or perhaps, you know, refinery as a whole, whichever makes more sense drawn to? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, what am I most excited about
3: now? New friends already feels like so long ago, even though it just completely, like consumed our life for the month beforehand. Mm. Um, no, I, I think. Look, I think I'm really proud of everything that we put on that stage. Whether that's what I look at as regular scheduled programming or the social production across video. With things mm-hmm. like Unbothered, which is a really amazing Instagram channel right now, but we're developing a lot of concepts wrapped around that. Or the amount of internal talent that we've really seen grow as influencers, whether that's Lucy Fink in Try Living With Lucy or mm-hmm. Mian Chan, who was originally a beauty writer and now has her own um, Beauty With Me series, mm. both of which you can see on YouTube, and, and they, they also have Snapchat. Um, experiences. And then it goes all the way up to working with Christine Vachon, which is, you know, a legend. I mean, just a legend mm. in independent mm-hmm. film. Um, and kind of, you know, feeling, while well, we've arrived that Christine is partnering with us on <laughs> a series about Pride, you know, a six part series. Mm. Um, really talking about how these issues against LGBTQ. And what they've been fighting for is still occurring today. But what this current climate, um, with the view of this current climate and taking a look at the past through pop culture, um, Mm -hmm. with the politics and how this story kind of has never been told um, in the way that she wants to tell it. So we're really Mm -hmm. excited about that. Um, But I think the through line through all of these is always representation and a mixture of voices. um, But optimism, you know, with applying Mm -hmm. problem solving to a lot of today's challenges really Mm -hmm. always matters to us. I love that.
5: That's awesome. So one of the core ideas of our show is this notion of human Venn diagrams, people whose interests and skills and careers span multiple fields and, you know, just quite frankly, don't fit in boxes. And what was so interesting, as um, I was doing a little bit of light Google stalking on you (laughs) in preparation for this episode, uh, is that you made a similar point about Refinery29 and sort of media in general in a recent interview that people want to put things in boxes but Refinery29 isn't just a publisher and Cannes isn't just a festival for films and all of these disciplines and business models and talent they're converging in strange and exciting new ways so i guess that's a long way of asking how do you see media in general and maybe your career in particular shifting in the next few years as these things converge.
3: Ooh, it's not a good question. Google Same talking. Me. Whenever, whenever anyone says, you said this in your last interview, I'm like, oh, my God, what did I say? Yeah. Um, uh,
4: well, what's great is you have an opportunity to either edit or reaffirm
3: <laughs> in different ways. Yeah, that's true. If you can remember yeah. what your point was. Um, no, I mean, look, as far as media merging, it also goes back to the multi-hyphenate. Um, the the multi-platform way of how you're looking at content. Um, Mm -hmm. I was literally just talking to someone saying for years people made a really great show or movie, I mean the Disney model, and then you made merchandising Mm -hmm. from that Mm -hmm. that would sell. And then people still think of marketing as if it's marketing first to a program. And I said, but do we, A, need all the programming that's getting created? And B, is that really the only thing that the younger audiences are going to want? Or is it going to be that they want an experience with their program, Mm -hmm. that they're going to consume the content across all of the screens and how do those screens interact with one another when they're experiencing it? And I think that's the next level Mm -hmm. of it. Um, Mm -hmm. I I think the boxes were created back in, you know, advertising Mad Men era when it was a lot easier to put all people in the boxes so you can sell it. Mm -hmm. Um, and Mm -hmm. nowadays, A, we're harder to put into those boxes. We don't feel or believe that we live in them, so it's much harder to reach the audience as a target and it's harder for people to advertise against it. So the, the two biggest things I've always believed, since, especially since I've a red refinery, is the audience is the one that has the power. And I think that will only grow over time mm-hmm. to the point that you Google stalks me. You probably know more about me than I know about myself at this moment. <laughs> um, I, I think the audience now has that power at their fingertips. And when they want to mm-hmm. know about who is making the content I'm consuming down mm-hmm. to the person who was the PA on that program, they actually care about that. Who is the people running the brands that I'm consuming it on? Where does Mm -hmm. my dollar go? Does this brand actually care about me or the environment or the things that I care about? Um, I I think that they've always kind of, you know, dictated the direction that culture moved, but I think that they will soon dictate the business as well.
6: Um, mm. And
3: we've seen that in bits and pieces. And then and then that's why I believe the idea of selling kind of has to disappear because we are servicing them. And that lesson I definitely got out of Refinery29, you know, creating a lot of service content and really believing that our audience already has the power to be the best self that they can be. Mm. Um, and what we are here to do is to just service that mindset Um, Mm -hmm. And there's something, there's a nuance there that's really important that I'm not selling you empowerment. Um, I'm not (laughs) selling you that you need these items for you to feel your most powerful. That's 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 not a great message. Um, I want to believe that you, I know, and I think you are unique and you are the best that you can be. I'm just here to support that and service you in the way that you need to, in whatever you need to be serviced in. Um, That's a nuanced, different way of thinking. Um, and I I think it's going to, I think you're giving up power in order to believe in that. And we'll we'll see, we'll see what businesses are willing to go there.
5: I love that. I love that that. framework, that approach. Like uh, anytime I see someone saying we need to empower women, I'm like, you, you, have already proved to me that you don't get it. Um, it's, it's not, not that power is something that you are going to grant to half of the world. Um, It's something that that is a completely different framework.
4: Yeah. I think, you know, a breakthrough I had as someone who performs live was a director once said to me, the audience is as smart as you. You don't need to Mm -hmm. do the work for them. And what you just said resonates so, yeah, so deeply with me in that way, because there's such freedom in that to say, Mm -hmm. oh, my audience is yeah, all of these things that I hope for them, and I'm just helping to support that. I love that, Amy. That's really, mm-hmm. really inspiring. I so, guess it's easy to give up the power when you're not owning all of the, <laughs> the power. Yeah, yeah. Before we continue with Amy, we want to give a shout out to one of our fantastic sponsors.
1: Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio
8: app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose, It's always the feeling when you're getting ready. To, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
6: Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions I'm Minnie Driver.
7: Or was it by the Sicilian Mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she, as my father believed, a witch? Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Let's talk about your career a little bit. So you're a TV veteran with three Emmy Awards under your belt, which is incredible. And now you have, you know, this also incredible job at this media company. So how did you get started in T V and then um why why make that shift from on air to online? I love
3: television as a kid. I mean I, I always wanted to work in T V. Um I, I think that it was just part of the makeup I I always say I was born in the 70s and television was the babysitter. Mm. So I, mm-hmm. I think it was always there for me. Um, and I kind of, you know, I got a very awesome moment to work at the Rosie O'Donnell show, which is pretty oh much my God. Mm-hmm. The, the, like to me, the creme de la creme. And it was an amazing moment in time yeah. um, mm-hmm. to do that. So and I think I learned a great, like so many great lessons of just interning and PAing and APing and kind of staying there and working with truly some of the best of the best mm. Um when we recently did a 20-year reunion, um, the people that who were there, um, I mean, three Emmys. They had multiple Emmys. You know, they've <laughs> been working in the talk show <laughs> arena for just years and years and years. And I was just so young at the time. I think I, I appreciated it, but not to the level that I do today, mm. um, working for her, not just as a very strong woman, um, but she fought for a lot of the things behind the scenes, um, you know, higher per diem per day. Um, daycare for kids at the workplace, oh. like things today that we're still talking about, but oh as, as a, I think I turned 21 there. Um, honestly, oh, wow. so as a 20-year-old, you're not even thinking about it at all.
7: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, but I was just around amazing, talented people, some of whom truly are still at the top of their game today. So I, I just always wanted to be in TV, and I, I think I did always want to be behind the camera. Super 8s were in my life a mm. lot. When I, was a kid. <laughs> yeah. I, You know, who wasn't on their street in the 70s, making Super 8 films. Um, <laughs> Um, I think we had one camera that we shared amongst, like, five block radius uh, that we all played that's with. My God. Do you have any
6: of that?
4: <laughs> does that footage exist anywhere still?
3: Oh, absolutely. Oh, all awesome. I ever did was spin as a child, uh, I kept spinning with uh-uh. camera. That's um, awesome. <laughs> it was amazing. So, yeah, no, I think, and, you know, I was passionate about it, and then I just kept, you know, moving. I had one amazing moment to be at Rojo when and that was, like, hitting its top peak, Um, of success and then I moved over to Oxygen which was just launching I was there Mm. in 99 for launch and I got to work for Jerry Laybourne and her husband Kit Laybourne and so many again and a lot of amazing people moved to work at Oxygen they left their network jobs to move to this cable network Mm. because they all believed in the mission and Mm. you know I still feel that I carry a lot of Oxygen's mission from 2000 with me today at Refinery. Wow, um, and they really allowed me the opportunity of education. They they trained me to be behind the camera. They did a digital boot camp um, wow. that truly just trained me a system on how to shoot. Oh yeah, it was unbelievable. Um, and and I had to fight to get into that program. You know, they couldn't get offered to everyone, and I really stepped Mm -hmm. up for myself to say, "No, this is just something I have a calling for, and I really want to make it. Mm. And I had, like, it was just a great ride to learn how to shoot documentary series in a time period of television when things were truly documentary series, not reality Mm -hmm. series. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Very different time period. I mean, we were filming what was happening in the lives of female police officers, I wasn't having to ask them to stand here and say this exact copy of a line and I need to shoot Mm -hmm. this exact thing so that it can go fit the perfect, you know, reality show. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. We were really directing out in the field and working with these women as partners to tell their story. So that was unbelievable. Um, And I just loved it. So whether it was shadowing cops or following women working at the cat house, I mean, I was just, I was shooting and I, I loved it. And that was from Oxygen HBO. Um, but then there comes a time where I was like, Okay, wait a minute, all of the decisions are being made at a higher corporate level,
7: hmm. mm-hmm.
3: um, and something about that just I was like, okay, I, I think it's I'm, t- I'm I couldn't figure out how to sustain my career shooting camera, mm-hmm. which is a shame nowadays, mm-hmm. and that drives a lot of what I do now. I think that um I always have a passion for it, and I was really, really good at it. But when I would ask all the other male DPs, hey, what do you think my next step should be in my career? None of them said, oh, you should, stay, you should move into director of photography. Really? Move into being a cameraman. Oh, absolutely not. Oof. They were all men, the ones I interfaced with, and they all said, mm-hmm. you know, you're good at talking with people. You should be a producer, and that will also allow you to stay home so you can, you know, have a family.
5: Oh, that was very and thoughtful of was them.
3: Wasn't that nice? And look, yeah. they did. They meant well. From where they sure. stood, they meant well, right, mm-hmm. for that day and age of what was around. Um, and, and look, I hate to say it, I, I believed that. I looked at all of my friends. I was on the road all of the time throughout my mm-hmm. 20s.
7: Mm-hmm.
3: Everybody else was home, meeting guys, you know, building their lives planning, you know, and I just didn't know how to do that. Um, I was all in on work all the time. But I would mm-hmm. see, what I did see women on the job, um, it was a women gaffer who had to have her mom and the baby stay in a motel room for her to go do mm-hmm. her job. I gave her all the credit for finding a way forward, but businesses mm-hmm. weren't taking women's considerations, you know, into yeah. account for their jobs. Yeah. Um, nor was anyone thinking about family, because by the way, men should have that same... You know, right, right, right. And and so when I looked around, I'm like, you know, he's right. How am I going to meet someone and have a family and live on the road? Like I couldn't I couldn't figure it out. So I said, okay, well, what's the next step here? And I watched a lot of the decisions getting made at the corporate level Mm. and felt like, okay, if I can't, I think I have all this control out in the field, but truly, I I actually don't. It's the people Mm -hmm. up at the top. So how do I become that? And I switched over to development.
4: What was that? transition like, you know, going from just one kind of, you know, actually shooting to then developing, it feels like there's a lot of new skills, different skills involved in that transition. Was it easy? Was it hard? Did you love it? Did you
3: hate it at first? Um, Oh, you mean when I locked myself in an office and cried every day?
7: (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
3: Um, Yeah, that moment. Um, No, listen, I think a lot of the skill set came from in the field. You're not just shooting, you were directing. It was small, one-man band, and you were Mm -hmm. constantly making decisions, and you were truly producing um, and finding the characters and doing all of the work. Yeah. So a lot of that skill set still came when you were overseeing teams of people to do that. You were Mm. just now you know, managing and leading in a different way. I once was a cheerleader, and I say there's a lot of effect as a good manager, kind of cheering on and finding the best voice and the best talent
1: Mm. and the people
3: you work with and really helping support them. But Mm -hmm. the the first week, yes, when I pulled myself out of the field and worked in an office, I definitely was like, what have I done? Um, (laughs) It was just a hard transition to go from feeling free out in the world to a corporate
2: structure. Mm-hmm.
6: Yeah.
3: Um but luckily I worked on some really amazing projects I was at MTVU and I again met tons of people in a moment of time where media was transitioning. Mm-hmm. Video through digital was actually being built. You know, you couldn't get video on .com at the time. We were building separate video players. Wow. So right. At MTV. Yeah. We weren't placing video on .com. We were building Overdrive for MTV and MTVU wow. was building Uber. So I was in the midst of, like, what's this next new thing going to look like with short-form mm-hmm. content Yeah, that you can actually watch through the Internet.
5: Um, <laughs> it's magic. God, I'm sold. Uh,
3: magic. Um, but, yeah, no, I, and I think just the skill set is that no one allows for transition. I would say just the hardest mm-hmm. thing is allowing yourself to transition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and yes. And you arrive to work thinking you're supposed to be great at this new thing. Meanwhile, mm. you changed your entire life. I went from the field, you know, to living in New York City full-time, to living in an office full-time, to managing 15 people, yeah. and I needed, I needed a minute, um, and then I needed support, and luckily, there was, I met amazing people, and there was a few good key players. I was reporting to two amazing men at the time who really were helpful. And allowing me to find my space and find my way.
5: That's so it com- sounds like they yeah. allowed you to have the transition, but maybe you weren't allowing yourself that that grace during the transition period.
4: Well, I feel like that's the point when so many people bail, you know, yeah. instead of allowing that transition. I feel like that's a really common, normal thing to bail, and, it, and you didn't,
3: clearly. Well, and, and don't so many of us put too much pressure on ourselves. I mm-hmm. should have been able to do this faster. Why am I yeah. not ready for this? I chose this job. Why am I not settling in faster? Right. Um, mm-hmm. I think just I, I think there's many people we just we put too much on ourselves right out of the mm-hmm. gate mm-hmm. Um, instead of creating a plan that allows for that transition period to, to mm-hmm. give yourself to first of all make as many mistakes as you possibly can because that's how you learn the fastest. Um, but just. To, to get familiar with your new surroundings. And
1: um, mm-hmm.
3: yeah, no, I, uh, that's probably one of the biggest hurdles. And I didn't know any better, honestly.
1: Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail.
8: people quit listen to on purpose with jay shetty on the iheart radio app apple podcast or wherever you get your podcasts
6: imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions i'm mini driver and this was the idea i set out to explore in my podcast mini questions this year we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions including actress and star of a mega hit sitcom friends courtney cox You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney.
0: I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty.
6: Old rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a... And many, many more. Join me on Season 3 of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers.
7: Every family has skeletons in their closet. Mine certainly does. Ones that go back a hundred years and reach thousands of miles back to our hometown in Sicily. Ever since I can remember, my relatives told the story of my great-great-grandmother who was killed by the mafia. I'm Joe Piazza, and in my new podcast, I'm taking on a generational vendetta, visiting the scene of the crime, confronting mafia experts, tracking down Italian officials, and even consulting mediums to set the record straight on my great-great-grandmother's mysterious disappearance. And in between the fact-finding missions, I'll be drinking a lot of wine and eating all of the pasta. Come to Italy with me to solve this hundred-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: You're listening to The Limit Does Not Exist with Christina Wallace and Kate Scott Campbell.
5: So speaking of transitions um, and it kind of a, a weird place that I think we are in terms of careers and how I think a lot of young women and probably a lot of Refinery29 readers are thinking about building a career and a life um, at this time where a lot, of, a lot of work is being redefined, where people work multiple jobs, they have side hustles, full time with benefits can feel elusive in a lot of industries like journalism. And, uh, you know, no one seems to make enough to cover student loans and rent and the retirement contributions that Twitter is shaming us into not having uh, at this point. Um, <laughs> how, how has your content shifted or expanded to address that reality for your audience? Because I, I think of Refining 29 and you even mentioned this, you think about all the different um, categories that you create content through it is everything from career advice to fashion to politics to pop culture. You really do embrace the whole amount of your reader, but I imagine that 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 advice that that content you're creating has to also shift with these changes
3: I think the the change has always been there honestly the when I got here to help with you know to help build the video, they were already covering. A range of topics and categories. I think it was fascinating to me to see that coverage. And, mm. you know, four years ago when we did the first New Fronts to stand on stage and say, I want my kid to wear lipstick and kick ass, that was unique back mm. then. And that's just four years ago. Mm. Wow. Um, now wow. that's Everyone, right? I mean, and I think mm-hmm. that a lot of it, I'll, I'll never forget when the um, SEP, of constant strategy at the time, did like a morning news show. And on that show, a female correspondent said to her, well, why are you guys talking about values, voting your values of what's happening in the election? Don't you also write about lipstick? This is four years ago. Oh,
7: my
6: God.
3: And I remember her saying like, yes, as a woman, I can care about beauty and fashion <laughs> and politics. That is allowed. Mm-hmm. Um, so we might see more traction within one category or another, but I think that's, with my, you know, as, as times, yes, they do change. Um, mm-hmm. And we make sure to stay focused and follow that. But this place has always focused on women's careers. You know, we definitely create work mm-hmm. and money now in a more aggressive way. Um, we mm-hmm. announced that Money Diaries, which is this amazing series led by Lindsay Stanberry and her team on the work and money side, um, mm-hmm. it's all about people sharing their stories anonymously on how they spend their money in a week. Ooh, that's incredible. And it's, it's, it's amazing because the comments and the reactions of what we all think about one another is truly another story yeah. in and of itself. I think it highlights not just how a lot of us have been fearful to speak about money. Um, mm-hmm. but I think again, we're judging ourselves. There's the old story of like, you can't buy a Starbucks every day cause you'll never be able to
5: mm, pay your right money, or you know, <laughs> those avocados right. are preventing my mortgage.
3: Correct. Um, and I think in that there's something that they really hit a chord on with the audience of just being able to, A, openly talk about this, whether that's mm-hmm. commenting or sharing your story, um, but, but the idea that you, like, shouldn't be ashamed to talk about money in general mm-hmm. or should you be shamed in how you spend it. Um, and I think there's a lot and tons of advice against service, the audience, tons of advice mm-hmm. that can come from that um, in that need. But t- to your point, I think this generation is built of, like, entrepreneurs. You know, mm. they're, they're, they are still building their own brands, their own emphasis, but they are doing so underneath umbrellas at point, mm-hmm. And they're also going to have mm. side hustles. So the big bend is going to be for corporations to understand how to work with those individuals. Because mm. the strict laws of before wouldn't really allow you to have your own positive hustle. Right. Everything you do mm-hmm. for the brand, the brand owns. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. But in, mm-hmm. in this day and age, to your point, everyone's got a positive hustle. So where do you build in some freedom for that? um and I think I do think the editorial team specifically does a great job of staying really in touch with what the trend and the culture of the audience mm-hmm. um is leaned into, and then they do match that against the topics that they cover within the category.
5: Do you see that that side hustle um and entrepreneurialism within refinery twenty nine employees, and how does that change oh, the way you've managed and built your team?
3: Absolutely. Um, I came here with a guy I had worked with, Stone Roberts. He's the head of Global Video now. But when we came to this company, the idea of building a video team as fast as um, they were expecting us to do so, he really just was the one who said, let the kids fly. (laughs) <laughs> that was his kind of,
7: um,
3: like, that was his method. Let the kids fly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really the idea, like, give them the power. If we believe in you and your voice and we've hired you to come here, we're expecting that you're going to make a lot of mistakes and so you can figure out the best way to speak mm-hmm. to the audience. But mm-hmm. if we believe in you, let's allow you some of that space, that freedom to create mm-hmm. and make mistakes. Um, and most likely, though, the when you win, it's going to be huge. Yeah, but that also allows someone to really, in a way, play the game for themselves as much as for the company. Absolutely. No, as we manage, trying to find like interesting voices of all the people who work here, um, try to stay involved in a weird way through social. I feel Mm -hmm. like Mm. six years ago, if I was connected to as many as employees through social media as I am today, somebody from HR would tell me there's a problem there. (laughs) But that is how we communicate. You know, we're a high growth media business. We are all really invested in everything we're doing all day long. There's no, there's no like chatting by the water cooler anymore. Not for me. Um, Mm -hmm. The best way for me to communicate, for me to see who's out there and who's what they're up to and what they're dreaming and being and who they are is through social. It's true. um, Yeah, and we can really you see who's side hustle and who's making pins and selling them on, you know a side you know, shop or who's putting on their makeup every morning and live streaming that because they want to, not mm. because they're asked to right. by the company. Um, yeah. Who's sharing tons of interest about books, but not really discussing it in the office. Mm-hmm. And when you find those passion points amongst your employees and you say to them, let's lean into that. How, how, do, we, how do we lean into that here in the office?
8: The mm-hmm. entrepreneur
3: mindset. Um, I don't know. I, I find it's like the most natural way to kind of true lead on um, their passion points, even if it's not directly related to their day-to-day job here. Uh,
4: mm-hmm. I love that so, so much, you know, that curiosity about all of the people who are working for you. Similarly, I'm interested in when you're looking to work with creators outside of Refinery29 and you're, you know, looking for new projects to, you know, help bring up and give visibility to, you know, where, where are you looking? How, how do you find those? I think something that, can be exciting about this time is is that you have an idea it can kind of live anywhere as we've talked about right like it could Mm -hmm. be a twitter account it could be a a digital series or fill in all of the other options Mm -hmm. um you
3: know and i think that can be overwhelming too Wow, um i I think i'm always i mean i'm I'm truly inspired by the people who work here and then through what they're consuming oh yeah really interesting Mm -hmm. to me Mm
7: -hmm.
3: um you know I'm, i'm once removed now i've got two kids Who are five and going on four and the, I really pour myself into the day to day. I used to consume all of television. I no longer do that. But Mm. I will try to watch what the, the, like the audience is watching Mm. and what the Mm -hmm. company employees um, are consuming. Um, And it's Mm -hmm. not, you know, it's it's reading, watching, listening, you know, and and there's always a conversation around that. Um, But from and then, uh, you know, we have an amazing development group here, an R&D group, and they're always ear to the ground. And we're the front line of partnership is why is this a good partnership? So when they do mm-hmm. identify someone, is this a voice we believe in? Is this a voice already out in the world, A-list talent, who is somebody we would love to support? And is there a good you know, mm-hmm. relationship here to be built where we're both gaining something as we move forward? Mm-hmm. Um, those are always the first questions I'm going to ask them. That's fascinating.
5: So I have to take this on a slightly um, new tack, because I'm fascinated now that we're, we're talking about side hustles and other interesting things. What else is in your uh, human Venn diagram? What other interests or skills do you have? Uh, I, I saw kids that are absolutely adorable on Instagram. But yes.
3: Other than kids, what what else uh, what else do you do? It's so funny because when I review that type of question, I'm like, "Is it sad?" I say, "I love work." And I wish. <laughs> no, um, not at all. Um, no, I mean, if I if I could do anything, I'd love. I would love to read. I don't know if that's every parent though. That you just get to a point where you're like, God, I wish I could just hide alone under a tree and read for hours. Oh, I would love it. a book. I'm talking a real book, people.
7: Yeah. I want to fill
3: the page. I love reading with a highlighter and a marker. Yes, and just, like. <laughs> Go in a town. Um, I would love to do that, but um, no, I, you know, I, and, I, and I, yes, the, the, the kids are the other thing. Because when yeah. I made the decision to come here, I really did say this place is, is going to be really challenging, and I'm up for it. And um, and then my I was pregnant with my son, and when I had him, I said, you know, listen, he's of course my number one priority, but not in the way of child rearing. That became secondary for me, and really primary for my husband. Mm. Um, so when I am off when I'm off, I've got to turn that into number one. So that's the other thing. And, um, and then I I really am like a design thinker. I'm constantly looking for anomalies uh, amongst the data amongst what Mm. I'm consuming. Um, and I do think that's the hobby and, you know, that's probably what I'm connecting to work, but it's not really work. You know, Mm -hmm. what can I keep reading from what we're creating, from what the audience is creating, from what our, from what the market is creating, from what new artists are creating. Um, And and what can I take from that from like a designer, from an inspiration level, but also from a new business level? But that's the fun part to me
6: um, Mm. is
3: kind of constantly looking for the
4: anomalies. That's interesting. Is that something that you discovered about yourself when you took on this kind of work or is that something that you knew you were into all along?
3: No, absolutely, when I got here. I mean, I think, look, the, the best part about this job, which is why I've been at my best, is it really has taken every little trait and talent I've collected throughout my lifetime and put it in one place. That's so, so awesome. off, op- I need whiteboards around me at all times, and the way I tend to think and brainstorm is like a beautiful mind. Do you know that? Man? Yes.
7: <laughs> <Of> <laughs> yes, course. on the windows
5: in the, <laughs> the wall. Yeah. Oh, my I mean, God. Give me math and a chalk uh, pencil on a window. Mm. <laughs> That's a good one. I haven't tried that. I, that. <laughs> oh, yeah. it's, I mean, in, in like the modern day era, you can do whiteboard markers on a window, especially if yeah. you have like all glass offices. And then you look really smart because no one can read whiteboard marker backwards. I'm I just, mean, I have not,
4: not yet. I'm literally just like envisioning this montage of Amy of you just like in this glass <laughs> office, like rapid fire writing like data mm-hmm. on the windows and just some awesome theme music. playing.
3: <laughs> and, and listen, I'm not the data expert by any means. <laughs> but I, I think what we have done together is, like, I just need to whiteboard because there's mm-hmm. a lot of, in, you know, inputs of data coming from every direction, mm-hmm. growth, revenue, audience, engagement. And I, I just think if you want to innovate at a rapid speed, you've got to look at those things differently. And mm-hmm. so I've been compared to a beautiful mind. I wish I was that level of intelligence. <laughs> um, but it's just the way my mind needs to kind of connect the dots. Um, sure. And luckily, once I really got into design thinking, I was like, oh, this is actually a strategic method that I've been mm-hmm. doing. Um, but it took me like a year and a half to realize that. I just thought I was mad. Um, and everyone <laughs> knows, like, I need a white, I need a white, like me and that whiteboard marker. Um, That's so and I could probably go through new boards every other day. Wow. Mm -hmm.
4: Well, I would imagine too, I'm just taking a shot in the dark, but like as a former, you know, DP, like I would imagine that you have this like great, uh, clearly, yeah, totally this, this strong visual sense. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's also so much technical work that goes into, you know, to all the things that, that you did as a DP and that you continue to do.
3: It's so funny because the, a lot of what always comes back is old school post-production for video. When you would cut shows, everything was on index cards mm. taped to corkboard. Um, really? If anyone listening remembers that, give a little shout out. Yes, we'll no. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh. an Act breakdown. And, yes. You know, so there's something about even when you looked at an act structure, you really were constantly plugging and pasting that on the wall. And that's mm-hmm. a lot of what's happening today. Mm-hmm. Um, your your story structure isn't really just about that one show. Now it's about like the overview of a day and how are you taking that programming across multiple channels and how do we connect that? Mm. Um, yeah, no, but it is all because I am. You're totally right. It's how I need to visualize mm-hmm. all the data input. And I think in this new, you know, media as it all kind of starts to merge together, I think there's a lot of that, you know, business on one side, creatives on the other. That's not the Mm -hmm. future, I don't believe. I believe the creatives have to understand the business and the business has to get more creative. Mm -hmm. So you're taking a lot of data, trying to get creatives to understand it, and you're taking creatives and, and trying to make sure they understand the business. How does it correlate to dollar? Yes. So that's a lot of what we've always had to do here yeah how did i get you on that i did my whiteboard i mean
5: I, i'm like over here fist pumping the yeah, air same. because you <laughs> just like you just hit on the the core tenet of what we believe and why we do this show because like sitting in your separate boxes your separate specialties and forcing um you know uh, kids teens young adults to kind of you know, pick a path and, and continue on it leads to executives and, you know, senior leadership um, in whatever field they are who really only understand the slice that they've perfected. And mm-hmm. the future as we see it really requires this integrated multidisciplinary, you know, overlapping Venn diagram of experiences and, um, and you know, viewpoints and the vocabulary that can span creativity, business, the tech world, you know, whatever it is that, that, you know, your industry is kind of at the intersection of. Um, so, uh, I, I I'm just like cheering you on (laughs) uh, because I'm like,
4: yeah. Well, and also, you know, it really is so cool that you have found what, you know, our friend Emily Wapnick calls the group hug job that you are like literally bringing all of your skills into play every day. And even these, like you said, that you've like discovered in doing it, it's like, oh, yeah, of course, that makes sense that I have that based on what I've done. But how awesome that, you know, it's all coming to the surface. Um, it's oh, so cool. when
3: I found out what design thinking was, I was like, holy <laughs> sh! that's what I've been doing for three years. I just uh, didn't know what yeah. it was called design thinking. Yeah. And to your point, why would I know that? I only started getting served the things that a producer would know or yeah. a shooter would know. Yeah. Or, so I wasn't even under, you know, and I, I said you can't teach business school to a creative, but you can teach the, the things within that business class to mm-hmm. a creative. you just got to switch up how you teach them. Yes. And, um, And and that's the stuff that I I really do believe the the people who become the most successful at refinery are having to put in extra sweat and tears because on any free time or free moment, you're learning a different discipline. Mm, Not because we're saying it's your job, but if you want to succeed in the future of media, the more you know about how this all kind of works, the better you will have ideas on how to, you know, pull them together Mm -hmm. for the best efficiency of scale and for the best product. So, yeah, no, you guys are totally right. And isn't it mistaken. just
5: like so affirming when you realize there's a name for the thing yeah. that you do? Yeah, yeah We, we talk about that all the you. time.
4: Yeah, it's just, it's instant Wait, credibility. It's like, oh,
3: yeah. <laughs> oh, I remember when I learned about EQ, emotional uh, intelligence. Yes. Yeah. For a lifetime and I still say it. I say I'm not that smart. People go, stop saying that. I go, no, you're not listening. I'm not, I'm a, a highly, I am a hyper empath, but I am not a book smart kid. Mm-hmm. I did not go to business school. I did not mm. go to – I wasn't privileged. I went to public school in Queens. I mean, I, I just am not probably a well-read um, book smart kid, but I've always had street smarts, and I grew up in a little bit of a world of chaos, so now I thrive in that, mm-hmm. and I can read people, which has really guided me. But I just didn't know that that was a thing, that you could have an EQ level and <laughs> yeah. how that would serve me really well in management, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, no one's teaching the, the camera woman that. Right. Well, no.
4: And that, that's why I was so curious about that transition for you, because I think oftentimes, you know, you'll see people who are working in, you know, like the creation of the thing, then, you know, when you move into management, it's this whole separate set of skills. Mm
8: -hmm. And that, as you're
4: talking about was this period of transition, but yeah, how cool to discover that, you know, being an empath is so crucial (laughs) and so beneficial.
3: (laughs) And look, I do, it's not because I work here. I give this place credit because I think I I really hit a new level of confidence in my thinking, but that was because I was also not focused on trying to fit into what a management expectation mm -hmm, looked like. Mm -hmm. Right. And it wasn't easy in the beginning, but I do believe we're at a place where I could still speak my mind and be me. Mm -hmm, And there is good intent there. And they understand I'm not going to give you this, I'm not going to give you this bullet point or this piece of information, statistic, the way someone who probably went to business school only focuses on BizDev would give it to you. However, Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean there is not information to guide us through that. But when you've got to manage someone who isn't going to play by the management rules of before. Which is mm-hmm. me. That can't be easy. I would say Philip and Justin, which are the CEO and co-founders, have a ton of patience. Um, as they, but again, Christine Barberick, who co-founder and uh, GEIC, kind of looked at me and was like, "We don't need all that other stuff. We need someone who can believe in what content can do, who can believe what the you know brand can do. Mm-hmm. So trust mm-hmm. that part of yourself. Be you and lead." That was like the first I ever heard of that. That's
6: awesome. Um,
3: Every other job, to your point, I probably left the 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 street, became an executive, and thought I have to like wear a suit, yeah, Um, Mm. perfect color against my skin for those executive photos, Mm. you know, (laughs) fit in. Um, And I just wasn't as successful. I was focused too often on like how did I look and am I fitting in versus like am I using my voice. Mm. And now I focus more on the voice and the business than the appearance.
5: That's what I awesome. think I, I noticed when I first um, the first time I, I got to be 100% of me in a job um, and I didn't spend 25% of my emotional capacity translating and filtering me into the yeah. version yeah. that I that I ever thought they wanted or they made very clear they wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then, you know, another 20% managing like the politics. Um, I, I realized how much. Effort and like truly, how much of my my sleeping hours, my emotional energy uh, was spent in that translation mm-hmm. and in that and sort of you know fitting into the mold um, and then doing the work through that version of me and when I could just be myself, I was so much more powerful than I think I even knew, um, and that ability to find a place where all they want is just who you are is so important. And I think not something that I at least knew to look for in the first, call it, decade of my career.
3: Absolutely not. Yeah. And that's all right on. I also think, look, I probably was still finding my voice. Totally. Uh, I'm not saying my... my direct reporter, you know, whoever I direct reported to probably wasn't giving me that. I was putting some of that on myself. Mm-hmm. And it was. I've had great bosses. You know, I really have um, throughout life. I've had some bad ones too, but I've had some really good ones and they didn't push me down. It was definitely me trying to probably impress the people even above them Mm -hmm. Um, instead of just focusing in on what am I really trying to say here. A
4: 100%. Amy, what
3: kind of advice,
4: and I guess that you're asked for advice a lot, Mm -hmm. but what advice would you give to, you know, young professionals, people who are interested in, in media, you know, people who want to make stuff, whether that's as a writer or podcaster, film director, actor, or all of the above. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, how do you kind of recommend maybe equipping oneself for this, you know, ever changing, uh, kind of moving target, maybe, but ever changing landscape of,
3: of media that you're in? You know, it's funny because I'm always like, you know, don't ask me for advice. I mean, nothing I'm doing <laughs> right now existed when I started out. Yeah. You know, this, this right. idea of a chief content officer role didn't exist. Um, what a digital media brand could be. You know, I mean, it just they didn't exist then. Yeah. I remember an interview with a headhunter where he said, I'm very concerned because your resume points out that you've moved around a lot. Mm-hmm. And I laughed and said, the only reason why you're talking to me is because I moved around a lot. Oh, I love that. <laughs> that is such what a, a kick-ass answer. <laughs> and it was the truth, right? The, you started this call that I'm some walking, talking unicorn. No, I'm absolutely not. Trust me. <laughs> my daughter would be ecstatic if I could do that. Um, I, 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 I jumped around a lot. And even at the time when I did that, there were many people who told me I was nuts. I wasn't focused. I'm not showing which which, you know, job is the right one for me. But I was really looking for what was the right one. I would, you know, I had an expectation of what these positions would deliver. And when they couldn't meet the expectation, I would move on. And mm-hmm. then I started to soul search a bit more. And say, right, well, what do I want to be doing? What, is the, you know, what do I want to believe in? And how do I want to drive that? And who who am I? And then I tried to start looking for, like, well, then what fits who I am? What yeah. is it me fitting? All of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but, but of course you know if if the media world wasn't converging he might be right and maybe people wouldn't have loved and I definitely had heard that um that you you took many jobs and but I was really thankful because if I didn't I I really don't believe I would I would have that edge up as I did today mm-hmm. um, and for the younger generation right the the length of time they're going to spend anywhere is going to be like what three years mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
8: basically That's the average
3: yeah yeah. So, um, I think for them, the opposite will be true. Like, if you love something, don't be afraid to stay there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but totally. To, to, to future proof, I think risk taking is the only thing you've got to feel really comfortable and know that you're going to have to do. Because mm. playing it safe, there's never, I really don't know of many good stories that end after someone said, I played it really safe. <laughs> <laughs>
5: so that is true. an amazing line, and yeah. I might have to steal it. I'll give you credit. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead.
3: Yeah. That's you awesome, do. and I'm I think that's have to listen to this podcast <laughs> to remember what I said. <laughs>
4: we can send you a little sound clip of just that line. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Put on a T-shirt. You can just play it. It'd be your alarm in the your alarm clock sound in the morning.
3: <laughs> anyway. My alarm clock sound is a five year old poking me in the face <laughs> at six in the morning.
5: I'm glad you brought up your five year old yes. because I, I wanted to ask you. Your kids are amazingly adorable on Instagram. They're oh total God. stars. Yeah, um, I got you fooled. is it hard to see signs of total brilliance in them and not to make these large pronouncements like he should be an artist or she's a total math genius like how do you give them the space to figure out all the things they can be and all the ways that could change from one day to the next because I feel like so many of us and the guests we've had on the show and the conversations Kate and I have where we went down paths because of things adults told us about ourselves mm-hmm. when we were far too young to know whether or not that was actually true.
3: Fascinating, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> this is pretty now I'm gonna be dissecting like what we're doing. <laughs> um, You know what? I, I think mine are young, too young to like where you see it.
8: Mm-hmm. If anything, mm-hmm.
3: I try to make sure I say say different things all the time. You know, like what? What did you dream about last night? You know, did you dream you were Spider Man, or did you dream you were the president? Which never would have come (laughs) out of my mouth. You know, yeah, probably Mm -hmm. five years ago. Yeah, um, you can't help. I I try never to say prince or princess, but Mm -hmm. it it comes out like we've all been just totally brainwashed throughout our life. Deep deep programming, deep. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Um, but when I catch it, I try to like back it up with like warrior. You know, I, I try I to it. balance it. Um, yeah. I think maybe I've like called, you know, I've said to my son, like, you're going to be a lawyer because he just loves to negotiate nonstop. <laughs> um, but for me, I think I'm always trying to give them like just these different professions. I don't feel like they're getting served all the time.
7: Yeah. Um,
3: more than I'm like seeing their traits. I'm in the thick of it, man. If you ask anyone <sighs> under the age of five, They'll tell you, "Oh, you're not sleeping," and like, yeah. "Good luck." You're just trying to, you know. So I, I don't feel like at this point maybe I should start. Um, I'm even seeing someone. I'm hoping they become. Mm. I'm like so focused on, "Am I? Am I doing my best with who you are today?" Yeah. Well, I love that. That's. I feel like that's that is the question to, to ask. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I guess so. It's like please be good. You know, they have a rule. Number one rule, it's the first thing I ever made them memorize, which is just be kind to each other. Uh, yeah, and number one rule, one. the best rule when you ask four year old like, "What's the?" I'm trying to give them other rules. Please obey and listen. Like that's the new rules, but you know, I ruined it because now when I say, "What's the rule?" It's like be kind to each other. Oh. Like, You're right. That is the rule. <laughs> I Um, love that. Everything else is like gravy on top. Don't beat people up. Be kind to the world. You know, I mean, it's like just trying to focus as a parent on how to do that. mm -hmm. I I don't, the rest will be gravy.
4: I mean, I think that's really, really true. I think be kind is such a great positive version of don't be an asshole, you know. (laughs) I mean, it would (laughs) fix like 50% of
3: our
5: our problems in the world right now. So I I like that number one.
3: <laughs> Maybe when they turn 10, I can yeah. start saying that. Number two, yeah. don't be an asshole. <laughs> yeah,
4: which should be assumed in number one, but just in case. <laughs>
3: yes. Let's just, by the way, very it's clear. not. Yeah. To a five year old, be kind to each other is not the same as don't hit someone, so I have to be more direct. <laughs> a healthy mix of do's and don'ts, yeah. <laughs> Oh, Uh, my gosh. You know what? I will add one thing. The thing I'm always trying to force with the kids is societal norms. I talk about it all the time. Mm. You guys referenced it earlier. Mm -hmm. Especially as women, the amount of time and energy I've wasted in my lifetime to, like, fit what society told me would be the thing that gave me the best life. Yes. Yes. just horrible. So trying to, like, make sure that that's not what's forced on them is just the, Mm -hmm. the, the main point. That is
4: so true. So Mm -hmm. true. And just giving them that freedom to be like, yeah, you know, if people just start saying like, oh, because you've done this, you got to do this. Just throw that out the window. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you really want to, and great, um, okay. Exactly. <laughs> but be kind <laughs> and don't be an asshole. Can, don't be
5: an asshole. That's my book.
3: If yeah, read a book. Yeah, I mean, i, just I would buy that
4: book title. enough. Yeah, I, I just consider me having already pre-ordered it. Um, okay, Amy, I think we have time for for one more question, which is, you know, this might be an impossible question. So we're totally we're totally cool if it is, based on everything we've been talking about, but, But we're so curious, where do you see yourself in the next five to 10 years? Like, do you even think that far ahead, career wise, life wise? Um, Is there some kind of like big audacious goal that you have in the back of your head that you think, ah, yeah, maybe I'm going to,
3: you know, tackle that? Um, I think it depends on the day. (laughs) Um, I I normally say I don't believe in the 10 year goal because. (laughs) So many things have been invented. Like I said, this didn't even exist. I know. Yeah. Yeah. So I I don't, you know, no plan. I could never have put a plan into place that would have led me where I am today. I don't think. Yeah. Um, I, I know that I'm never – I really wish I could, but I am never going to give up hustling. I, mm. I wish – like I said, I wish I could, but I do know that as much as I would love to tell you that in 15 years I'm going to be retired on a beach and just <laughs> enjoying my time <laughs> and reading, uh, uh, my inner self cracks up laughing and says, yeah, right, you're going to be <laughs> running something. Um, I would just – I just want to keep creating. Mm. Um, I think whether that's creating new – um, I don't know, creating new types of businesses, new business models, creating inspiration, creating content. Um, I just want to make sure there's ways to create, and um, more importantly, I think, support creators. I think that's when I get the most excitement, is, is really just supporting the, the new voices that are emerging, those that have not been represented. I mean, that's when it really feels exciting and electric. Um, that That's it. I love it.
4: I love that so much. Thinking about, you know, as, as you were saying that what you're doing now didn't exist five, ten years ago. I mean, what do you think it is that, that got you to where you are now? A combination of hustle, saying yes to opportunities, sticking with it. I mean, do you see like a defining characteristic or feature that got you where you are when where you are didn't exist at all?
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> you couldn't really aim to it in a way, you know what I'm saying? yeah uh-huh. i mean listen I, I i I do believe in trust and loyalty, mm. and i think I think the people i 've worked with along the way i I was just appreciating that in the time we have spent together, you really there was a lot of time for to breathe and acknowledge some of those people mm-hmm. um, and that never happens when i 'm doing a quick q and a and and so many people that I have worked with that um, that good, the good reputation I feel like that matters to me, and that I have, is because I really believe in so many people I've worked with within all the jobs that I've had in my lifetime, mm-hmm. um, and I and I I really am so thankful for that. So the, the, there's a bit of vulnerability that I think I've always had. Mm-hmm. Um, That allows me to be what today everyone wants to say is authentic, which is like (laughs) not the authentic word Mm -hmm. of the world, and I don't really quite get that because it's also just like, can people just be human? I I don't really get it. Um, I don't have a bigger. I don't have a bigger take. I don't want to be the richest person. I don't want to be the most successful. Mm -hmm. I just Mm. don't. I, I, I want. I want to be successful with other people. Um, it'd, be, it'd be nice to make a living, a good living, yeah. while other people are making yeah. a good living. Um, and I, I value that. And that could be because I came from a real working class family. And
6: mm.
3: I don't know. But um, I, I think that it's, a, you know, it, it is the thing that drives me. And I, I will not give up. But that pursuit, you know, um, mm-hmm. the pursuit for for the next thing um, that, that's like that inner drive. Uh, I don't know how to to ever like like squeeze it down to nothing. It's always going to be there, and it's always going to push me. Mm. You're OG authentic. Maybe that's your
5: second book. <laughs>
7: <Thanks>. <laughs> I, that's a
5: word. I, I was authentic before just, it was a uh, a trending characteristic to look for in uh, in people. Normal. You know, um, that's, when, that's
3: when you realize, like, wow, what you thought was easy and normal to be human is not for many people. Yeah, <laughs>
5: uh, I want to keep having this conversation for like three more hours, but somehow we're out of time.
4: Luckily, uh, all that we have left is something that's very by nature quick and true. easy. <laughs> so, call it- the lightning round. <laughs> Very straightforward. We're just going to ask you a small handful of quick questions, and your only job is to just answer with the first thing that pops into your brain. And our job is to not ask you follow-up questions, which is hard for us, but we're going to do our
3: best. (laughs) It sounds like torture both ways, okay?
4: (laughs) I know. I know. It's the worst. We we promise it's gentle, and uh, we'll just take a question at a time. It's going to be awesome. (laughs) Okay, so the first question is... Maybe it's not a novel because we know you really <laughs> want to sink your teeth into one of those. But what are you reading right now?
3: I'm reading my Guiding, the Refinery 29 Guiding Principles.
4: Amazing. That's a fantastic exactly. thing to read.
3: It's true. Ah, I have follow questions
5: that I'm not, okay. You're a I'm model employee. Okay. <laughs> you are. You are. Um, okay. Question number night, two. People.
3: That's all I'm
5: saying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> question number two. What's the last thing that made you go, oh, Hey, now. Oh, nice delivery, Christina. Thank you. I was working on
3: it. <laughs> I don't even know if I've ever said, hey, now. Um,
4: <laughs> or whatever intention you pulled from
5: Christina. Yeah, you can read any line reading into that that you'd like. I mean, it could be like a taxi running over you or a great oh, no, no, one. not running over. A great
3: one. I was on my way back to this office, and as I was having a moment... A man who is a, a man, a, a shorter man with one leg and two crutches came flying past me on a skateboard. And what? more importantly, he looked at me and smiled and said, how you doing? I oh. said, I am awesome because I just saw so you. Oh, that <laughs> and I, is. And that's when I said, hey, now. <laughs> <laughs> that was great.
4: Nicely done. <laughs> oh, well, my well done. gosh. That, Wow. Wow.
3: These are so So not pre-planned, but they're real.
6: There's so much I want to
4: say, but this is the lightning round. Okay, Um, I'm going to ask you this. Because you are a a fellow hustler, what would be your
3: ideal best way to spend a Sunday? Okay, so lately I do love when it rains Yes, and I can wake up early, let my husband sleep in, actually make breakfast that I want to eat for me and the kids, and then (laughs) cuddle and watch old school kid movies. Oh. Like things they shouldn't watch. Disney, <laughs> Goonies, <laughs> Pee Wee Herman. Oh my God, I love They're Goonies on. so much. Okay, that's that's I, That is a awesome. great Sunday. If it, and it's raining outside, so you don't feel yeah. bad
4: about not yeah. going out. Never That's has the phrase you're killing me small has been more appropriate. That is <laughs> awesome. You play ball
3: like a girl. <laughs> exactly. Today has a whole different meaning.
4: Yes, sandlot.
5: Oh my god. Okay, that sounds Lightning. perfect. Lightning ladies. Sorry. Question four.
3: <laughs> Sorry, we're really bad at this. Yeah. <laughs> right right now, now. <laughs>
5: we I mean ninety-nine episodes in, we're terrible <laughs> at this thing that we have created <laughs> for ourselves. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> Question four. What is your favorite screen? To watch shows on phone, iPad, laptop, television, what's your format of choice?
3: I love them all. (laughs) <laughs> I love them all. Multi-platform. Whatever, okay. I love watching my phone while my big TV screen is on, while I have the laptop on my lap. I'm obsessed with oh, you're them a
4: all.
5: woman after my heart.
4: <laughs> That's so awesome. I picture you with like eight arms just with all of the awesome screens. Okay, Amy, this is going to bring it home. Last question. You're doing so great. Give a shout out for a woman who's doing awesome things in media. I'm guessing you know a ton of them. So just the first one that pops into your brain or someone... You just want to give a verbal hug to maybe someone who's a little under the radar and
3: uh, could use a hug or a yeah, shout out. so good about this question is many women pop into my mind. Mm. And that is awesome
7: because mm-hmm.
3: definitely a few years ago, I don't know if I would have had that same response, but Susie Berkowitz, who is our head of comms here at Refinery29, has definitely had a tough few weeks. So I am sending her the biggest podcast hug of all time. I love it. That's awesome. Go Susie. Susie. Is, she is the Hugginator. So she deserves oh. every hug I can give her.
4: Oh my gosh. Hugginator is probably the
5: best shout out of all time. An absolute joy getting to talk to you tonight. Yeah. This
3: was a pleasure, ladies. Thank oh. you so much. Thanks to <laughs> anyone who is listening and making it through. <laughs> My my 10 p.m. conversation. This is one for the book,
4: <laughs> Amy. It has been pure joy on our end. You are so awesome, and we're just so that excited gotcha. to talk to you. Thank you so much. Okay, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Same, of course. same. <laughs> <Bye-bye>. <laughs> bye bye. Bye.
0: or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hey, I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go, right? There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A.